But the Nephilim yeah. is like, isn't they, aren't they like red-haired? They are, yeah, they're red-haired, yeah. So, Let me ask you a question. Let's hear it. What do you know about cryptids? Do you think Bigfoot's real? I'm just going to come right out with it. Do you think the Bigfoot, the Yeti, the Sasquatch, the Skunk Ape, you can lump them all together? Yes, I do. I think that it is real. <laughs> what? That, that's like... You just definitively said, yes, yes I think it's but... real. But... Hi, welcome back. Episode four. Uh, fishing is a simulation, I, I guess. We'll we'll Supposedly. get a little. Yeah, we'll get more into that in a little bit. But before we get into um, the topics, which by the way, the topics are we're just going to talk about Christmas time. Um, happy Merry Merry Christmas, whatever it is. Merry happy Chrysler. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Krimbus. And um, Brains had a baby. Yes, I did. We said last time, last episode, Brains was about to have a baby. But Brains not a baby. Well, yes. Tell us about the baby. Okay. So, yes, we had a for, – for people who did, do not know, we did not know the gender, of course. That's what you say. We didn't. I don't know if I believe I, I swear. So we actually just opened the envelope last night. All right. That's fair. So Was it right? It was It was right, right. which I've heard that sometimes they do get it wrong. Um, there's a few instances where – Wait, the medical industry uh, did something wrong? Surprisingly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't say. Pretty crazy. That's shocking yes. to me. Um, we were induced December 1st, which was a Friday. Um, and the reason why we were in- induced long story short. So my wife, Jesse has had some medical issues. Um, we've had four miscarriages before this and they just wanted to make sure that everything was going to be okay before the baby was born. So we went Friday at eight o'clock at night to get medically induced. Um, so essentially what happened was we showed up to the hospital eight o'clock. They don't get things going until like nine 30. And they give her this medicine called Cytotec. Cytotec is a medicine that starts... Turns like, you into a cyborg. A cyborg, yes. Okay, uh, Robocop. Yeah, exactly. Beep, pop, boop. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> that starts the contractions and, like, induces you into labor. So nothing was weird. Everything was fine. Started that about 9, 30, 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. I fall asleep, and yeah. I wake up to like eight nurses in the room what time at like 11 30 uh 12 o'clock at night so you um, got like what maybe two hours of sleep maybe give or yeah take? like you, we were, you can sleep anywhere by the way i can literally sleep anywhere yeah. and through anything and that is like 100 percent true now would you um, say that's your biggest uh take away from the army yes that you can sleep for anywhere? sure i can yeah. literally sleep standing up thank you united um, states yes. armed forces <laughs> anyways um so yeah so i wake up to like eight nurses in the room okay Jesse is in the middle of all them, and they're checking her, saying, we can't feel the heart rate. We can't find the baby. There's nothing. Um, there's no pulse. There's no sign of anything. And, of course, with everything that we've been through, right. I'm freaking out. How was Jesse? She was calm. We were both calm. Like, I was fine. Yeah, like, I, it was I just like a shock of you don't know what's happening. I had no idea what was going on. All that I heard was when I woke up, I woke up in the middle of this, too. This happened for 10 minutes. They couldn't find the baby. So, and you which, were asleep for the first half of it. Yes, um, pretty much everything. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty impressive on my end that I was able to sleep through that. Um, but so all I hear is prep OR, get anesthesia ready, and emergency C section. So okay. I'm like, holy crap! Like, what is happening? I am freaking out on the inside, but I'm staying calm because I know that's what I need to do. Anyways, long story short, the medicine that they gave her was making Jesse contract every minute, which is like a lot. Yeah. And it was putting pressure on um, on her, on Scout, um, which is her name. Um, and it would fr- it would make her freak out and she didn't like it. So her heart rate would drop. So like they had to like get Jesse like 
on her side, left, right, you know, sit up, sit down, just to make sure, like, she could... All their, like, protocols. She could survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this happens, and they're like, all right, everything's fine. If it keeps happening, though, like, I want to let you know, like, you are going to get a C-section. And, of course, it happens again. Doctor comes in. Mm -hmm. He's like, all right, let's get this thing done. Yeah. I get garbed up. Yeah. And then... Two sets, two sets of gloves? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, not two sets of gloves, but I was wearing sandals, so I had to wear these, like, booties on, yeah. which is kind of weird. <laughs> Hair nets um, on your feet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. And then I had, like, this huge suit on and everything, yeah. and then— I got the picture. Yes, it's pretty yeah, picture, I sent yeah. it to you. Yeah. Um, you look like then, uh, you were cooking meth in an RV somewhere. Pretty much. That's yeah. that's pretty much what I looked like. Yeah. Um, and I got all ready. We went to OR, and at 2.15, December 2nd, uh, Scout Riley Morton was born. So, and— what a journey. It was. It was pretty crazy. So, and throughout all that, of course, Jessica had to get an epidural, and they're like, hey, if the epidural doesn't hold, then she has to go under, and you can't be in there. So, mm-hmm. if that happens, yeah. tough luck. Um, so, our doctor is kind of like a robot, though. And Good. Which is nice, because yeah. he's, like, super even-keeled. Yeah, but no to the emotion, point. To the point. Like, to the point. Let you know what's going like, on. Like, literally, he didn't I say— I can appreciate that. He, it was nice, actually, yeah. because, like, he didn't say anything to me until he went in there, and he just looks at me and goes, everything's going to be fine, and just walk through the door. And I'm like, all right, let's all do right, this sweet. thing. So it was nice. Um, but And then we were at the hospital for, like, five or six days, and then we're back. So, yeah. What a story. Awesome. I'm, glad, I'm glad you were willing to share kind of the pre-up to mm-hmm. that, because— you guys got married December of 21, correct? 22? No, 20. No, 20. 20, I'm sorry. Yep. Okay, so you guys have been married three years this year. Yep. So you guys have had four miscarriages mm-hmm. in two years, which yep. is sucks. crazy to think about. I'm sorry. And yeah, I mean, really, it's more like two and a half because obviously, yep. you know, nine, nine, almost 10 months ago and change now, um, yep. she got pregnant with Scout. And I've yep. been just knowing, like, outside of this table in the shop, like, we're still best friends. Mm-hmm. Like we, yes, we work together, all of that stuff, but yep. all of that has come through our friendship. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, I guess us, me and Emily going on the journey in a way with you mm-hmm. guys, the fact that, um, you guys got to this place is just, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's pretty incredible. It's so wild. I mean, it's your crazy dad now, think, yeah. there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like Jesse's healthy. Scout's yeah. healthy. Yeah. Everybody's and, good. And that was the nice thing, honestly, about the C-section was like, if we didn't, I would have to have worry for hours right. and hours and hours. Whereas right. he's like, we're getting the C-section, so it's happening. Right. And it made me feel so much more relaxed and calm because yeah. it was like, all right, that's going to be fine. Like nothing's, nothing's going to go wrong because the baby's going to be here in like 30 minutes. So, yeah. and it was, it was that fast. So. Wow. Yeah. It was, that's, I mean, it's just, it's such a relief, like for us when like Jesse had been texting Emily a lot that night. And I remember like finally getting the text at, I don't know, like. 2 30 or whatever yeah. of of i think it i think it was her yeah it was jesse holding her mm-hmm. first and it, it was just like yeah. what a weight off yeah. of our shoulders of just like wow we have a healthy baby and we right. have a healthy jesse so yeah. Yeah. and and you're good yep. so it's We're like good. wasn't worried about you you're fine yeah. but yeah, it was, was fine. Yeah. but just like getting to that point of yeah incredible mm-hmm. what's your first week of being a dad what's it been like it's been awesome i mean it's been really good i mean you guys are in the honeymoon phase right of tiny baby you've had yeah. a lot of help you got meals coming your way all yeah. that good stuff yeah. so it's like what's but you've you've now you guys have now had a little bit of time just like mm-hmm. probably the two of you yeah what's i mean i enjoy it actually more to be honest yeah. like yeah the help was nice but i i wanted to do this with us you know and the yeah. meals have been awesome and like it's been a huge help like you all bringing food to us and i that's that's been the the best thing i would say but like the fact that like we can do it together like i enjoy it a lot yeah. and she's really easy i mean she 
sleeps. She yeah. Poops. You have a really good baby. Yeah, yeah we you do. Have a really yeah. good baby. She doesn't cry. Yeah. I mean, like literally, she just sits there and just looks around, and then she'll just fall asleep. What's her? Okay, I'm curious because, um, because like my nephew. So I had two babies this week too in my in my on the other side of the family. Mm-hmm. So a niece and a nephew. Yep. My nephew, my new nephew, he sleeps good during the day, but mm-hmm. he's up all night long. Scout. No. Like she just she'll be up for two hours, and then it's fine from eight to ten at night. And, that's and it. it's perfect because that's right in between, like or right around feeding time. Yeah. So like by the time on the back end when we feed her, she's out. And she'll sleep the entire night. It's so good. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, yeah, you guys <laughs> yeah. fortunate there yeah. for sure. Well, we've definitely been blessed. Uh, God has blessed us with that, and we prayed about we prayed for a calm baby to make it easy for us, yeah. and He provided for he sure. So, that yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. What a what a cool story. Thanks for sharing all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the pre stuff beforehand. I don't think it, hardly anybody knows the journey that you guys have been no, on. Not many. And uh, a lot of people deal with stuff like that but mm-hmm. i think to the level that you guys did yeah and to continue to like it was never an issue to get pregnant mm-hmm. it was just making it past that you know yeah. 10 week 11 yeah, we 12 week that. whatever it was yeah. mark uh just for whatever reason and then here she is so yep. it goes by really fast yes. long days short years but yep. you guys aren't even in the long days phase yet so no. but um you want to talk about fishing for a few minutes and then for sure we got uh yeah got some good I'm excited to talk about the fishing stuff today because it was funny when you said like you had like the idea of what you wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. It was something, and I didn't say this to you when you called me, but it was something that I wanted to talk about because I think it's very, very important. Yeah. So it's, so topic wise, like we've talked about how we fish growing up mm -hmm. a little bit about like how we fish now, but per se, like to get a little deeper into that, I want to hit on equipment. What do we use? Mm -hmm. Um, specifically fun, kind of for each thing we, yep. we, we both do kind of all of it. I would say we're really yes. the only ones in the shop that kind of do. So we fly fish, mm-hmm. we spin fish yep. inshore and have bait casters, yep. um, and we offshore fish. So we have yep. gear that goes according to the thing. However, yep. I think there can be a misconception and there's definitely a, um, there are definitely exceptions to this rule. If you look at this wall and you understand who all of these belong to, it's mm-hmm. one person. So, yep. like, there are definitely guys that, w- like, will spend a lot of money on on fishing gear. Yeah, and I'm then one of them. I mean, I'll admit to it. Right, but at the same time, I fall on the other end of that spectrum. I keep it simple. Yeah, because a like, I have other things I'd rather spend money on, or that I have to spend my money on, yeah. like like my house, yeah. my kids. Like I don't yeah. like it'd be nice. Yeah. Plus, so yeah, so. So I keep it simple. I really only I have one fly setup. That's it, and mm-hmm. it's an eight weight. Yeah. Now, luckily, because of my brother and because of you, even though you reel on the wrong side, yes. If I need something, like if I'm going tarpon fishing, like I can borrow a reel from Alex. That's mm-hmm. fine. A rod and a reel from Alex. That's yeah. that's no no problem at all. So I guess I guess maybe I don't fit into that into that scheme. But mm-hmm. like the stuff that I that I own, yeah, it's good quality. Yeah. It's not the best, but it's good quality. It works really well. I'm comfortable with it, and I think that's really important. Yeah. So to just to go through my equipment list real quick. Yeah. Let's start with, like, I, I sit, let's start with inshore because okay. I feel like that's a good one to start that's on. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so inshore, I'll do fly because I only have one fly setup. Mm-hmm. So that's simple for me. I have uh, Tibor Everglades. Yep. Orange. Yep. To match my hair. Yeah. It is Sunset Orange, I believe it is called. And I have a Sage R8 Salt. Uh, it is a 
It's nice. Eight weight. It's a super nice rod. It's yeah, it's really really and, nice. And again, it was it was a gift. Yes. So I would never spend a thousand dollars on a fly rod with the amount of fly fishing that I do yeah. and the amount that I know about it. It's like mm-hmm. it'd be like a wine guy buying a thousand dollar bottle of wine, like. There's guys that can appreciate that, mm-hmm. and then there's guys that it's, it tastes like red wine. Like yeah. that's me with fly fishing. But the difference between that though is you know how to use it though. I do. Yes, you. you I know don't what I need a lot, but you're a very good fly fisher. Well, action action wise, I know what I like. Mm-hmm. I like something that loads a little slower. Yep. And I think the R8 is kind of a fast rod, but yes. I'm in. Yes. But like to me, fly fishing reminds me a lot of golf. Obviously. Golf is like my nerd thing that did it for a while. I know the equipment. I know the swing, all of that stuff. Um, You you can't, you shouldn't make the golfer swing to the club specs. It should be the opposite. So, again, yeah, should you critique the swing? 100%. Should you you have good mechanics? 100%. But how you get from address, address of the ball, Mm -hmm back to the address of the ball at your so so from your from the start to the bottom of your swing that's all that matters what happens in between is completely up to you and yep. everybody's different yep. it's the same thing in a fly cast yep however i don't think if my natural action is slow why would i have to why should i make myself catch up to the rod i agree like, and, and that's why you like sage i think because it's like that it the the best way i like to describe a sage rod is if you like sage rods you're going to like right sage rods but but if you don't you're not going they don't really have a rod for you per se yeah so so whereas like alex on the other hand he he likes hardies Mm -hmm. especially the one piece i've thrown a one piece it's nice it's super accurate Mm -hmm. it's a it's a workout for me to throw because it is it's i think it's heavy i also think it's it's too fast for me like i'm like i am trying to throw this rod whereas the 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 r8 feels like an extension of my arm even more so like you can laugh at me all you want I like the mangrove coast. I know you do. It's idiot proof. Yeah, it is. Okay, and again, I don't spend time practicing. Mm-hmm. I only go out to fish. Yeah. So, to make a rod that, again, in my opinion, is like idiot proof, mm-hmm. that's the mangrove coast for yeah. me. The sage just feels like an extension of my arm. Yeah. Where I don't have to change my action to, yeah. to match the rod. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like the hardy, like if I was using like a twelve weight or fishing off the beach, tarpon fishing, like I want a fast action rod that has not necessarily no feel but i don't really care about that i'm just looking for something that i can pick up a lot of line with which is something i don't have to do when i redfish but by the way i did redfish the other day i'll get into this and i'll tell you what i saw i didn't catch a darn thing obviously well yeah of course but but it was but it was pretty great i'll tell you about that (laughs) in a second so so more or less that's my fly setup what kind Um, of line do you have on that that is a sa amplitude it's textured again came from alex it's an yeah. eight weight yeah. the first couple times i used it i sliced my fingers up but now i have a decent callus going where it's yeah. okay but i don't like the textured line per se it's weird i have a bonefish line as well um i just haven't put it on yet but again it's it's perfectly fine it, it works. does what you need it to sure it yeah. works exactly how i need it to yeah. like again i don't get i'm not good enough at it to realize or, or to know exactly how I need to build this out. I know it works. Mm-hmm. I know it works well. I'm sure there's a better way to make it, but I don't really care. At yeah. the end of the day, like I'm not, yeah. I'm not that much of a nerd about it. I am about golf. Yeah. 
uh, but I'm not, I'm not about yep. fly fishing. And I would say that that is more important with fly fishing is like you just said, building it out is having the right line on the rod yeah. and all that, because that plays a huge, huge difference in any other like fly in fly fishing than any other style of fishing and like your leaders and all that. So, and I had had some other fly setups a while ago and I, I got rid of all my fly fishing stuff mm-hmm. when I started having kids because I just didn't have time just for it. Time. Yeah. So I got, I got rid of a lot of that stuff and I had several more setups than, than that. When I first got this Everglades, I thought it weighed a ton. And I mean, it is kind of a heavy reel, but once you start throwing it, it doesn't feel heavy. It no. feels very, very well balanced. It, yeah, it's perfect. So when you just hold the reel in your hand, you're like, man, this thing is a brick. Mm-hmm. But d- you put it on a rod and you start swinging it. You're like, this is really it's, nice. It's really nice. Yep. It works really good. So yep. um, so that's fly setup. My inshore, mm-hmm. again, I keep it very simple. Um, and I, I have a couple of different ones, but for the most part, they're pretty much all the same. Uh, my main is a, uh, twin power XD 3k. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is my first, t- I had the, what's the, the blue and gold one again? Is that the H D the, the other twin, twin power? power? Yeah. yeah. The FD. The FD. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. I had an FD before that, uh, and a 4k yeah, and I, was okay. that was when I first wanted to like consolidate my inshore stuff and just basically go to one setup. And cause I had a 3k, a 4k, um, I had like a couple tarpon setups too, mm-hmm. that I would kind of mix into that into that category but i also had like 2500 and and a bunch of other things that i was just like i just have too many rods and reels it's, yeah. there's too much going on i don't have the storage for it mm-hmm. so i wanted to consolidate and i got like i wanted to get one setup that was like too big but i could still snook fish with in the yeah. summer but i i wouldn't lose all the feel where i couldn't go out and throw lures yeah. um at the same time that maybe weren't yosuri pencils which is rare yes so i had the 4k and i had a 7.6 bull bay sniper yeah. medium heavy 817 i thought kind it was of, a medium on that no it was medium okay. heavy on the 4k it was okay so um again hated it i just yeah. I, nothing nothing wrong with either product yeah i just didn't like it it, it just, just wasn't didn't, it just yeah. wasn't for me it didn't feel like what i was used to so i got a 3k mm-hmm. um um twin power xd love it uh i think it's got like 22 pounds of drag which is for what I do, it's it's completely fine. Mm-hmm. And I have a uh, Stealth Sniper X, so with the new eyes, um, 7.6. I think it's the 6 to 12 medium. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's great. Uh, the yep. feel-wise, again, there's there's plenty of other rods that are in that same category yeah. that would be great. I just like the feel. Yeah. It's super light. I like a split grip. Um, at least I do now. I used mm-hmm. to have Avids, and I, I still have some Avids. Uh, but I, as far as what I do every day or the fishing style that I like to do most, yeah. which is the waiting, you know, by my house, this, this works perfect. So 15 yeah. pound line, uh, usually like a 15 or a 20 pound leader. I usually don't go any more than 20, uh, not for, not for, uh, fishing in safety Harbor. So yeah. that's like my inshore setup. It's kind of covers the board on everything mm-hmm. for me. Like I have an older 2500 stratic on like a seven foot medium that's my wife's setup and it's a avid pearl I, re- I actually really like that, that rod that is one of the reason. greatest rods ever and it I, looks i like it too. well yeah. yeah i mean it's pink but well but it looks nice like it's an, like if you, you were to give some like that to a present like to your wife or oh your yeah girlfriend, like oh they yeah. would even if they don't like to fish they would want to use that rod yeah. because it was so cool yeah i have um my younger brother who's sitting 
who's sitting over here editing. Yes. Um, I have two of his setups that he probably doesn't even know I have. I actually have three. So um, two, two, yeah, two older ballistics. You remember Sick. the Daiwa ballistics? Yep. Those reels are like 15 years old. Those ones are really old smooth ones you have. Smooth yeah. as butter. Yep, they are The drags still. don't chop, nothing. Yep. Those reels, that's like my old... <clears throat> What? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Those are cut bait rods for sure. Those are both on Avids. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, if you, if I had to like keep one setup of it, like those things are just workhorses. So they're still super smooth. The drags, like I said, they don't chop or anything. They just need line like every other year Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't get used much. But those are like the, if I take the family on the boat and we're going to cut bait fish, like those, um, those are the first ones that go out like on one side of the Mm -hmm. boat and then like you know, I'll power fish with the yeah. other one or whatever. Question for you on that, since you yeah. brought that up with your main, your, your twin power, your three K that you have, do you feel like it does everything like cut bait, live bait, like paddle tails and top yeah. waters? Like, do you feel comfortable using that? Yeah. Um, I would say the only thing and, uh, the only thing where I feel like I can get in a little <clears throat> bit of trouble. So if I'm structure fishing, so again, make fun of me if you want. I have a bunch of kids, and when I do get on the boat, I get, like, 30 minutes to fish. Yeah. So if I'm going to do it, and I want it to be entertaining, not just for me, but for them, I will throw cut bait up into mangroves or around docks. There's nothing wrong to catch fish, especially redfish on cut bait, because it works really, really well. Right. So So the only thing I would say is if I'm in a tight spot, and so like a creek mouth Mm -hmm. or something, um, and there's a lot of those around the bay, where you can get back into those mangrove pockets— and skip baits up on I, – I get worked in there every Yeah, you remember what happened to us that one time? So February we went out, yeah. which it, I know it's crazy, but it was that long ago. And <laughs> I, we were using we, – we had found a school of, like, thread fins on the way yeah. to where we were going. We yeah. were going to fly fish that day. We were. And we found a school of thread fins, so we took advantage of it, mm-hmm. got thread fins, started chumming back in this area after we'd fly fish and we had basically gotten the middle finger from every redfish that we saw. We saw yep. some, we saw plenty of fish. Oh yeah, of course. But we went in and got destroyed by it. We both hooked that same snook mm-hmm. and we both got destroyed yeah. on it. You couldn't and stop them. To me, that's, that's where you need a four or a five K, mm-hmm. a medium, heavy, a yep. heavy, a shorter rod. I like a seven, six. Yeah. I think a seven, like a, like I said, like a, higher line class medium heavy like a Mm -hmm. 10 to 20 um or even a heavy but again i'm not going to spend money on a setup just for dock Mm -hmm. which i don't fish docks that much anymore when i lived in the intercoastal i did yeah um or when i fished the intercoastal i did but for like getting worked back in the trees that's the only thing i think my setup is not ideal for but throwing lures um chasing schools of fish on flats, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like it's got enough power, but it's not ridiculous where you're just going to reel in a set of lips. You know, if you set the hook and and I think that's where we kind of differ on some of our setups. And I'll get into that, of course. Yeah, but but, but basically, I have I have a twenty five hundred on like a seven foot medium. I have a seven yeah. six medium yeah. um, with a three k, and then I have a couple of those ballistics. Those are three k's on seven foot avid mm-hmm. inshore uh, mediums. And then I have like another one of Adam's setups, a 2500 Stratic on a 7.6 medium sniper, which I don't think he knows that I have that <laughs> one, but it's sitting at my house. Uh, and I don't know why, but it ended up somehow yeah, at my house. Of but, course. but basically, like if I go out, um, three rods I'll take, 
not including a fly rod, and mainly they're just backup. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep a Yozuri pencil on at all times. Um, I'll usually keep a hook, just like a, a bear hook and like a, a, a um, free line, you yeah. know, with like a two-aught circle yeah. um, or like a cutting point uh, owner or something like that. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I, I try to keep it simple just mm-hmm. for the sake of I want to maximize my time when I'm actually out there. Yes. But getting it, we'll get into this again. You you talk about you talk about your inshore equipment, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into kind of the offshore stuff. The offshore stuff, but also then kind of our style of fishing yeah. per se, because yeah. it, it, it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. And we also do different things. Like yes, we wade together, but you do some other things, and we both at the same time have access to boats. Yeah. So when we like, let's you talk about your inshore stuff real yeah. quick, then we'll talk about offshore, and For then sure. we'll talk about kind of our styles. Okay. Yeah. So my inshore fishing, so. I'm a little bit. Let's start with fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Oh, anyway, sorry. Go. Yeah. I have a, maybe a little bit more uh, fly setups than you do. Yeah. I maybe. I think I'm up to 15 t bores right now. Ridiculous. Um, that's not including some other ones, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and I've. I, I collect them just like Alex right. for sure. I mean, that's a collection to me. Like it's an investment, and I want to have them forever. Like I'm never getting rid of my kind of like guns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have every weight from four all the way up to I have some big stuff that's like 13, 14, 15 weights. Yeah, Pacifics. I don't have a Pacific, but I have a Billy Pate Bluefin, which okay. is mm. ridiculously rare. Is that the black back with the silver front? It is. Yes. And it's got like the old style like crank handle on the front yeah yeah yeah. they only made a few of them and mine's right hand retrieve which is like ridiculously rare yeah real on the Um, wrong because i reel on the wrong side yeah Yeah. like you said um all of my reels except for a few rt bores and i have a few eight weights um but typically more often than not i'm picking up my nine weight signature and it is on a hardy zane pro nine weight as well and it's a one piece um the reason why i like the one pieces is one a little bit different for you with all of my rods. All of my rods are Zane Pros, or Zane uh, Hardys and uh, Loomis's yeah. and RX's. Um, What's I like, your other reels? Be- you said you have mostly T-boards. What's your other reels? I have a few Ables. Okay. Um, I have a few Hardys, um, and then I have uh, some Nautilus as well. Okay. Those are more of just like sitting on a like. You don't really use wall. them. You pretty yeah. much only use T-boards. I so. do. I, I exclusively use T-boards yeah. because the drag is, in my opinion, the best in the world. It's super smooth. That's fair. Um, but a little bit different from you with the rods is you like the Sage. You like a little bit slower yeah. of a rod. I like a ridiculously fast rod. I want to get out as much line as quickly as as quickly yeah. and as fast as possible, and I don't like to false cast. I like to freaking just shoot line out as quickly as I can. That's why I like the one-piece rods because yeah. they are faster, a little bit lighter. And the rod that I use more often than anything right now is my nine-weight signature. The reason why is because I do a lot of – paddleboard fishing and that has a one that's a one piece hardy on it there, is right? a one piece okay. yeah i like it because it has more power yeah i don't have to worry about it coming apart right, right. and the reel is fully sealed yeah. um so i don't have to if i drop Import, it important for a paddleboard it is especially. for sure yeah because i've dropped it in the water before yeah. multiple times i've dropped my everglades in the water too it's fine there's nothing wrong with it but just knowing that the seal on the signature is better it, it makes me just feel better whenever yeah. i whenever i fish it um you're hard on gear I am very hard on gear. Tools, not jewels. Yes, exactly. Um, and the reason why I'm hard on gear is because I know that the stuff that we use is expensive and yeah. it's going to last. Yeah. And if you spend the money and you and you are going to beat it up, it's going to hold up and it's going to last. There's a few things that I take care of, but for the most part, I, I beat my stuff up. There's no doubt. Um, my, the lines that I use, 
typically I'm using bonefish lines because the rods are faster, right. so it needs to be a little bit faster of a right. line to get it out. I mean, um, with a faster shooting tip on it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say tip. we here at Tailwater Outfitters are creating our own taper. Are you even supposed to say that? I'm going to say it anyways. Um, uh, we're creating our own line, and it is incredible. Um, Who's it with again? With Rio. Okay. So it's going to be sweet. It's coming soon to really, Tailwater Outfitters. Really nice. Um, I was... I've never put line out that quickly with a rod before. Yeah. I literally dumped a hundred feet with one cast. It was impressive. Yeah. And I'm a decent fisherman, fly fisherman, but it was pretty cool. Um, but typically most of my fly setups are Zane pros and NRXs with T-bores. Um, NRXs are insanely fast to me, even faster they than are. the Hardys. They, they are for sure. And they're a little bit lighter, I would say. Yeah. Um, the marksman that Hardy came out with is very similar to the NRX. Yeah, I haven't thrown one, uh, a marksman. It's similar. I, I can't, if you were to give me either, I'd be happy with yeah. either. I really wouldn't say like, I, oh, I want this one or yeah. I want that one. It doesn't matter to me because they're both great rods. When you spend $1,000 on a rod, it should be good. Yeah. For sure. I think that should be like the common thread through through this maybe is when you spend the money, it should be good. Yeah. Um, but typically that's my everyday, I'm going to go and, and fish in the evening or during the day setup is that nine weight. From time to time, I will take my Everglades because, like you said, it, it is on a rod. It feels perfect. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just balances feels, for whatever it feels reason. So nice. Um, and and from time to time, I will use some lighter weights. I'll use a six or a seven. My six weight is super fun to use, yeah. um, especially on the beach for snook because there's nothing for them to run right. into. So you can use a little bit lighter of a rod and have some fun with it. Um, but I still think from for here and for what we're all doing that eight and nine weight is yeah it's pretty much perfect nine weight is sometimes a little too heavy you know for some people but i've noticed with the paddleboard fishing it definitely helps a lot more yeah um so that's typically my my fly fishing setups that i'm going to use um now kind of transitioning to the other side the spinning inshore spinning i have a few not many though i mean typically i'm bringing one with me like you do you know yeah. um that i'm just going to use religiously yeah. um my setup that i typically use but i just had to retire it was a 2500 sustain yeah and it was an old one it yeah, was that the, real the blue with She's the been foam through it. yeah that's like the greatest reel ever created yeah. i've dunked it like six times and it still holds up what was, did you have a uh what rod was on that again? That was a legend, a, a okay. OG legend. One of the original short. legends, though. St. Croix. The best legend that it they is. made. It, the, the rod is incredible. I broke an eye on it, and I can't use it right now, yeah. and it really upsets me. Which eye? Um, it's the like tip, the third one the down. Oh, no, yeah, gosh, I know it sucks. That sucks. Um, but that rod and that reel, for what I typically used it for, which was throwing pencils or paddle tails, it was perfect. It's a seven-foot medium heavy yeah. on a 2500. Most people think that's weird. Yeah, that's... And it is and weird. It, to me, that's crazy. It is. Yeah. The reason why I like that, though, is because it is ridiculously stiff, but still stupid light. Yeah. So I can bomb those pencils. And, I mean, you've witnessed it. I can outcast just about anybody with a 7.6 well, or an 8 foot. That's that's true, but you have a setup now Yes. that's casting-wise mm -hmm. insane. Yes. I'm still... What, what's what's your new set? Tell yep. everybody what your new set. So to replace that sustain, I I really I treated myself yeah, and you did. I got a Van Stall the X2 yeah. and it's a fifty bailed. fifty yeah okay. yeah um and the real on is, a it's a IMX, IMX Pro, Pro Blue, Blue yeah. G Loomis um, it's, it's a, a seven foot medium heavy as well it's a seven foot medium heavy as well it's a little different though yeah it's a heavier setup yeah um, and definitely 
I exclusively use it for pencils, for eraser pencils, for top but, And and your paddleboard. Yes, that was the other reason. Boards. That that was a a brilliant thing, if you ask me, mm-hmm. on your part was getting a fully sealed reel yep. for like if you've never used a van stall mm-hmm. or you don't really know what van stall is, you would not equate it to a thousand dollar reel because no. it does not feel no. like it when you're reeling it. Like no. you look at it, it's beautiful. Like yep. it's a thing of beauty. But then you reel it and you're like feels kind of weird feels weird it's it's not as heavy it's you have to kind of understand i think what a van stall Mm -hmm. is but also at the same time the reel has gotten smoother with time which it will continue to for sure um but again kind of back to your fly your comment about your signature series it's a fully sealed spinning reel Mm -hmm. it's perfect for a paddleboard especially if you don't have a tackle rack if you do have a tackle rack great but you still might dunk the board. It's still going to get And wet. you still might fall. Yeah. You st- Again, waves, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a paddleboard. It's you're, you're standing two inches above the water. Yeah. But especially if you don't have a tackle rack and you just lay that thing down. Because mm-hmm. when I steal your board to take it out, I don't take the tackle rack. I just yeah. lay stuff down. Yeah. So I, I have to, re- you know, I have to rinse my stuff off re- ridiculously well. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not supposed to blast fresh water directly into a reel, but... Um, you can kind of do anything with your reel, mm-hmm, which I kind of sure. like. And that's kind of where most of my setups are multi-purpose and multi-faceted, you know, yeah. faceted, where you can use them for all that. But the, the van stall and the IMX, it's still the rod's still light, yeah. but it has a heck of a lot of backbone. And I can cast, I mean... Insanely far. And, it, and people don't believe me when I say that I can bomb a pencil... 100 yards I, I i can it's pretty dang close yeah i mean i can definitely get it super far and the nice thing about that is i cover more water yeah i can get closer to the mangroves i can do everything with that and still effectively catch fish how much drag is on that reel again when you're talking like fresh water uh, in shore yeah. like does it really matter but like no. in a situation where you're trying to winch a fish out of yeah. under the mangrove especially like a big snook mm-hmm. Uh, 25 pounds. Okay. Yeah. So that's, it's more than that though. I know it is because when you lock it down, like it doesn't move, Yeah, you know, like there's no movement You're to gonna it. You're going to break your line. Um, yeah. and I've, I've used it. I, I recently remember that snook that I told you about that I hooked north of us. Yeah. Supposedly. I mean, yeah. Supposedly. Um, it was the biggest snook I've ever hooked in my life. And Over 40. Yeah. 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 It was, it was closer to 50 than it was 45. Um, it was giant. Um, and I caught it on that, that setup. Um, on a top water on a top throw water. top waters yep um and it was right next to the board should have jumped in and bear hugged it i didn't and yeah. it went from the mangroves and broke off um and that kind of leads me to the next thing is my leaders that i use yeah. on that i use very light leaders i use 25 pounds yeah. and that's it the reason why is because it's still a little bit thinner than 30 but a little bit heavier than 20 and i think yeah. that that extra five pounds does help me catch fish because they're not as leader shy but i can put a little more pressure on them yeah and then I use long leaders too. I use six foot plus leaders. You tie you tie FG knots I do. though. I'm I typically tie a double uni. I can tie an FG. Mm-hmm. I can tie a bimini, but it takes me like twenty minutes. You can tie an FG with your eyes closed in like thirty seconds. You're not just doing it over and over and over. Right, again. and I just haven't committed the time to do it. Yeah, but I like. So you can reel it up through your eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't because yeah. so I tie like at the most it's like a three foot leader. Mm-hmm. At the most, but if I'm using a pencil, it's like maybe 16, 18 inches at the most because yeah. I like a shorter leader with a, um, with, with a lure, any lure, yeah. um, but specifically top water. But you tie a knot that allows you to reel it through. It's yeah. flat. And, and I think the reason why I can cast so far 
is because of that. You can load it, yeah. And that extra weight from the fluorocarbon leader, I think, helps a lot too with bombing that those baits. I mean, I really do because I can reel it all the way into the almost to the reel and cast it. Yeah. And there's just so much more momentum and weight behind it. I can cast it forever. Yeah. So, um, so that's my typical everyday inshore setup because that's kind of how we fish. Right. I do have a 4,000 uh, Stella that yep. I use for cut bait and live bait. One of bait. the older Stellas. One on of the a, older on ones. On an eight foot rod, right? On an eight foot medium heavy, um, avid inshore. Yeah. And then I have some 5K twin powers that are on eight foot heavy yeah. legends and avid inshores. And then an 8K uh, twin power that I have on an eight foot. Yeah, you're, uh, you're getting into the synchro. offshore stuff a little bit. Slash tarpon a, fishing. A little bit. Yeah. But the thing about all of my setups is they're multi-use. I use yeah. them for everything. Yeah. I, and that's how I wanted when I created these setups. I didn't want to just have to have a setup to where, well, I can only, you know, yeah. fish for with finger mullet in the summer or the winter. No, yeah. I want to be able to take this offshore and catch yeah. a snapper with it. I want to take it inshore and use it for redfish. I want to get my money's yeah, you said, definitely. You know, because if you spend this much money on these setups, which I mean, the Stella and that rod, I mean, that's what twelve hundred dollars or something like it's more that. More than that, Pro- yeah. But oh yeah, you know you're right. You know? But but your van stall. Yeah, but the van stall is nine hundred. That's, that's nine eighty or so, and then you got a four hundred dollar yeah. rod on there. So that's, that's your that's a that's a yeah that's a very high price inshore setup. It is, but the thing about it is, I can take it offshore and I can use it for snapper. Right. I can use it for right all of these other situations that. I get my money's worth out of so, it, which is, I think, the most important thing. On on products, like I hate it when people use the term like investment or like if they're buying a car, like, this is an investment. No, it's not an investment. It's a depreciating asset. Yeah, fishing stuff is kind of similar, but like, on the, but but yet at the same time, it's like you could sell all your T-bores probably for what you bought them for, if not more, and make, I would money. make money. So it's like an investment, yeah. kind of like guns yeah. in a way. Like a lot of it, the specialty stuff will mm-hmm. appreciate with time. I think I represent more along the lines of the everyday guy. Fishing. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I just don't really the flashy side of it doesn't like. I, don't get me wrong. My inshore setup is really nice, and yeah. it's it's six hundred bucks. Yeah. Six fifty. Yeah. You know, it's a nice nice setup. This is a nice setup I've ever had. If I could do it over again, would I buy the twin power over like let's say a Stratic? No, I'd buy a Stratic. Yeah. Like nothing, not no. because I not not because I don't like the twin power or I like the Stratic more, but because for an extra hundred and twenty bucks, is it mm-hmm. worth it to me? No. Yeah, and and I would agree with you on that one. If this stuff wasn't worth the money, yeah. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't buy a twin power. I yeah. wouldn't buy a Stella. But they've done everything I've needed it to, and then some. Yeah. I mean, with all of the, again, I'm I'm very tough on my stuff. Yeah. I don't think a five thousand Stratic would have held up to what I've put my five K twin power through. I really don't. A 5K Stratic? Yeah. I don't think it would have because I've caught Grouper on that. But how caught... old is that Stella, though? Did you say the, Stella or Twin Power? Well, the, the, the Stella, too. But the Twin Power I bought three years ago. Yeah. And that Stella is from 2016, 2015. Yeah, I was going to say that, that Stella is pretty old. And it's still just as smooth as the day well, I think bought of, it. Think of what the Stratic was in 2016 or 15 whenever yeah. you bought that. They were not the same as they are today, yeah. especially the new one. The new yeah. the FL is... Yeah. is a phenomenal reel. Again, yeah. most of charter captains that come in here that we do big orders with, mm-hmm. that's what they fish. Yeah, twenty five hundred and three k and four k Stratics yeah. because for the money, you probably can't beat that reel for sure. And for an inshore setup, again for the money, if yeah. you want to go bougie with it and get, you know, make it three ounces lighter and get a Twin Power XD, yeah. or yeah. if you want to spend the extra money even from there to get a Stella, like it just to me. 
I a I just I, it's just not worth it to me. I can spend my yeah. money on other things. And I don't that's blame Fine you. with yeah. me. So so I keep it somewhat simple. I kind of adopt the same principle offshore. Um, I have some speed masters, and mm-hmm. when I say I, I mean like me and my brothers and my dad like yeah. share them. But again, the amount of offshore fishing that we do, you know, not much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some twelve two speeds and some sixteen two speed. Yeah. Um, um, Speedmasters, mm-hmm. and again for the money, super good reel. Yeah, uh, would highly recommend it. The rods, I won't even tell you what the rods are because they're junk, and they're the worst <laughs> reel seats on the planet. They oh, suck. Oh man, yeah, they're not the best. But um, we're not even. Gonna they do. The, they get the job done. Sure, though. Really, not? at the end yeah, of the day, they not? they do. But yeah. they're not. Yeah, with a Mickey enjoyable. Mouse freaking reel seat on it. Oh, uh, but neither here nor there. Mm. Um, you know they were complimentary so uh so yeah. so yeah. i won't i won't bash it yeah i know they weren't but i mean they they were to me so uh but again yeah it's like you said they get the job done mm-hmm. um you know i've pulled on some larger grouper and larger red snapper and yeah. some aj's before they get they're they're just fine so do you feel like though with a speedmaster you wish you had something a little extra though with um, bigger fish um you know i don't i I don't have enough experience okay. with other equipment to say that. Yeah. Now, that being said, um, you have a Talica, and I'll let you get into that. But mm-hmm. I did use it the other day when we were out. Yeah. And I think if grouper was in season, we would have been out targeting mm-hmm. grouper more. Yeah. Um, and we would have actually committed the time to go, Let's we're going mm-hmm. grouper fishing. Yes. Um, I think I could have put it to the test and been like, yeah, there's something pretty nice about yeah. this. But like even just playing with the reels here at the shop like the talica there's like there's no play it's that thing is super tight uh, and when i say play i mean like the the handle like there's mm-hmm. no like when you reel it forward it, it like stops immediately yeah. there's nothing there's no back yeah. play with it or anything it doesn't it just locks mm-hmm. right down um the only thing i would say like i don't think we need two speeds like i really don't not over here i mean in the deep water i get it it's nice it's nice to have yeah. but it's like a sunroof it's like Will I remember to use it? Mm-hmm. No, but yeah. my reel might have it. But to spend the extra yeah. money on a two-speed yeah. here, yeah, not for the type of fishing I do. So, sure, is it nice if I was in three, four hundred feet of water yeah. and I was having to reel something up and I wanted, you know, five feet of line per crank? Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. But I've never used it. I probably never will. Yeah, I've used it a few times on mine. Yeah. So, um, and I guess that's where I can kind of transition into my stuff. So I have. All of my conventional reels are Talicas, yeah, 12, 16, 25s. Um, <laughs> and I, I bought it because I'm beat, uh, I beat the crap out of them. Yeah. Um, I have single speeds and two speeds. I use the single speeds more than anything. Um, I like the size of it. I like the fit of it. Um, it feels good in my hand. And I've never – my biggest grouper, which was 35 pounds, gag, a gag grouper, um, was caught on that single speed Talica, and it was just fine. We were in shallow water, yeah. but it held up. And I got them up to the surface, and there was no issues. Um, what is, what is shallow to you? Forty feet. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's shallow for grouper fishing. I, I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Now, of course, up north from us in Homosassa or wherever they it's do it in like eight yeah. feet and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, you can do it for sure. But for our area, forty feet is shallow. You yeah. know, once you start getting out to like seventy plus feet, that's when it starts to like. I feel like that's like offshore fishing. Like that's grouper yeah. fishing. You know. But that forty foot in under that water is, gets that real nice blue, deep yeah. blue hue so, to it. Yeah, that yeah. bluish hue. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice. It is a nice. nice. Thing. Uh, so yeah, all my all my conventional reels are Talicas. All of my rods, all of my offshore rods, spinning and conventional, yeah. are Terezas. 
the reason why is because they're the lightest or the strongest. There's no issues with them. I enjoy th- holding it all day. Yeah. And that's, I think, the biggest thing for all conventional stuff is that – you Kick want to camera. you want to carry something and hold something that you're, it's not going to you beat you up that. all day. I kicked that um, mistake. I'm so sure it's not misaligned. Oh geez, we messed okay. up the camera. Yeah, We're good. Okay. Back yeah. at it. Um, no, but I, I can carry. I can hold that Therese and that Talica all day and not get beat up. I do like that Therese. They're but freaking I mean, nice, man. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a really nice rod, but I know I'm re- using like the worst rod. Yeah. So it's well, that no, Therese but is freaking. Nice. Could you could you spend? More money on an offshore rod, yeah, but for two hundred ninety nine bucks, that's the best. That's the best rod in the shop. I mean, there's no doubt about I, it. I agree yeah. with what we carry. That's mm-hmm. definitely the best offshore sure. option. Where I go to first every yes. time. Um, and then all of my spinning reels are Shimano, and that's where the multi aspect of using reels and rods for yeah. s- different situation comes into play because yeah. I have the bigger twin powers. I have that I use for free lines that yeah. I use for snapper. Yeah. I've, heck, I've got grouper on them too, yeah. uh, Kobe and all that. And then my probably my favorite setup for offshore is my hogfish setup. So I use the 4K Stella on an 8-foot medium heavy Avid that I use for cut bait for redfish. Yep. And I've caught more hogfish on that setup than anything else because it's super sensitive and it catches fish. Um, I, I love it. That's that's probably the one setup that I always pick up when I'm out there. Um, and again, it's the the things that I have were pricey, but they've lasted me these however many years I've had them. Yeah. And I think that the investment, if you want to call it an investment, um, was worth the money. Yeah. So, and I like it. Um, I like the 25 Talica for trolling for yeah. bigger plugs. Um, I've used that for grouper as well, but it's definitely heavier for sure. Typically, I'm, I'm picking up those those smaller Talicas and using that for everything that we do around here. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. I think they're, yeah, we're, we're, I don't think we're on two totally separate ends of the spectrum. No, I just not think, on that. Like for our lifestyles and what we can do, it's like, Sure go spend a a boatload of money on setups. Like we have plenty of guys that come in here and we'll drop Mm -hmm. a lot of money on really, really nice equipment and they'll have a lot of it. And if you got it and it doesn't change your lifestyle and this is what you want to do, go Go for for it. it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. But I think what we've opened ourselves up to more, especially in our new location is we wanted to keep the high, the higher end feel of the fishing stuff, but also be able to communicate to people that you don't have to buy poor quality equipment Mm -hmm. that's cheap we have stuff that's again what i would call cheap that's still really good Mm -hmm. we have the 90 dollars reveros calico jack combo it's money i would fish with that thing in a heartbeat yeah the biggest thing though is it's the salt water you have to take care of it definitely more so than that's everything stratix aren't sealed you gotta rinse it off yeah twin powers aren't sealed you gotta rinse it off so well not mine technically there is a seal in it but the difference between the seal of advanced stall and the seal seal of a Shimano is totally different. Yeah, completely and that's different. where it kind of varies. So know? there's so. partially sealed and there's fully sealed, yes. right? So I guess you could say that, yeah. So it's but neither here nor there. I think what we've what we've come to the conclusion of is for a hundred bucks, we found a really good setup out there mm-hmm. for people that don't want to go out and spend a thousand dollars on a spinning setup yeah even 300 like, yeah i mean yeah, yeah 100 yeah, bucks and you're ready to go 100 so. percent, and it's and it's still good quality and i think that's mm-hmm. something that we wanted to make sure like hey we don't want to be a walmart yeah. where you go in and you buy you know this cheap tackle box with with stuff that you're never going to mm-hmm. use that doesn't work 
yeah. on a nineteen dollar nineteen ninety nine you know setup. Like we don't sell that. That stuff's junk. Mm-hmm. Like we don't sell that stuff. We we wanted to make sure though that hey, if you are going to spend a little bit of money, you're going to get a good product. But at the same time, something that we would all use um, if need be. So yeah, I think we kind of fall somewhat on different ends of that spectrum. A little bit. N- not not by like yeah, not by choice. Just yeah. just because you know, hey, I like the nice stuff too, but yeah. I don't really I don't really care at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, should we put our hats on? I think it's time to don the garments. Yeah, let's don the garments. Let me ask you a question. Let's hear it. What do you know about cryptids? Cryptids. Cryptids. Well, I would, I'm not talking about like cryptocurrency. Yes. I'm talking about cryptids. I would consider myself a amateur cryptozoologist, <laughs> if you would. Out. I know it's delicious. Um, uh, yeah, I would say I'm a cryptozoologist um, by not trade, just by volunteer, though. I volunteer my time as a cryptozoologist. Yeah. What, what do you do, got for me? What does that have to do with cryptids? Cryptids. Cryptozoology is the study of cryptids. Right. Okay. So yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I had a, right. I had a yeah. mental moment there. Brain fart. There's a few places on this world. Yes. Okay. That are unexplored, per se. Yeah. Can't taking the ocean out of things. Yeah. Okay. This is this is a land based theory mm-hmm. here, not theory, but more of a. Are you going where I think you're going? Probably. Yeah. Papua New Guinea is one of them. Yes. Okay. Are you familiar with Force Colante? Obviously, yes, of course. okay. Yeah. Force Colante, the crazy like nerd that travels all yeah. over the world and discovers all these species and the mm-hmm. feces and all this stuff. So, do you think Bigfoot's real? I'm just going to come right out with it. Do you think the Bigfoot, the Yeti, the Sasquatch, the Skunk Ape, you can lump them all together? They're just like they're just like Americans to me. Like there's Northeast Americans, there's California mm-hmm. Americans, yeah. there's part s- cousins, there's South America. Not South. I mean, South America is a place too. But I don't mean like. Yeah. I mean like Southern Americans. Yes, yes. And then there's Florida, which is yes. kind of like a melting pot of all yeah, of it. But it's like yeah. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. They're all like mm-hmm. you know those yes. Southern people. Yeah. And and Texas maybe sprinkle it in. And then California people is like we all know what California people are. And there's the Northeast people. We kind of all know what the Northeast is: New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. New Jersey, uh, Sopranos, yeah. people like that. I feel like the. The Sasquatch, yes. the Yeti, the it's I think it's the same type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. The skunk ape is down here in the south, right? Yes. Hanging out in the bayous, yeah. hanging out in the Everglades. Probably smells worse than, you know, the, the people that hang out in the cold weather. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's real? So I will answer your question. Yes, I do. I think that it is real. What? That that's like <laughs> you just definitively said yes, yes I think it's real. But <laughs> there's only a few places on earth that it could be real. And I think that's where it's super important. That's why I brought up Papua New Guinea. Yes. So something very unique about Papua New Guinea. Yes. And that is one of the places where I think that a Sasquatch a, a, a like you know, yeah. bipedal organism could yeah. that, and that's where the cryptozoology comes into play. Um, bipedal, bipedal. That means they walk. Does that mean they have two wieners? Oh, okay. Not mean they have two wieners. Yeah, they might. I don't know. Um, but that I think that that's one of the places where it could live. There's only a few other places that it could live. Um, yeah, we, yeah, and I would say like the vastness of Siberia, right? Russia. Yep. So Russia, I think, is one of the other ones. So the Black Forest in Russia, you could literally fit like the entirety of the United States in it. Rewind Papua New Guinea. Yes. I want to tell you my theory on why I think Papua New Guinea could hide a lot of unknown species like wait, wait. like Skull Island, let's yes. say. Like the yeah. whole freaking like take King Kong, like, take Skull Island and like turn it into a place. I think it's like partially Tasmania, mm-hmm. mostly Papua New Guinea. 
we have, when I say we, let me just loop this all together. Europeans, let's, let's rewind, you know, a couple of hundred years. Go back to the time when we just wanted to conquer everything. We tried to introduce, as well as like Aboriginals, Africa, like they tried to like introduce things and yeah. settle in Papua New yeah. Guinea. And there was natives there. Yeah. Nothing survived. No. Because the landscape is so crazy. Plenty of native life there. Mm-hmm. But basically everything in Papua New Guinea is native and it stayed native mm-hmm. because it's such a tough place to survive. So like dingoes, for example. Yeah. The dingo ate my baby. Yeah, that dingo ate my baby. Um, they tr- like, again, whoever, I don't think it was like, I think it was like European Australians mm-hmm. like back in the day. So like white people that had been in, in Australia that were still exploring. But like they took dingoes mm-hmm. to Papua New Guinea and tried to like, you know, make a, a they all died because they yeah. couldn't survive the terrain yeah. and the native populations of animals that were there. They were just getting smoked. Just, so it's yeah, like putting slaughtered. a, yeah, it's like putting a chicken in a, in a aquarium mm-hmm. full of piranhas. Like it's just not going to work. So I mean, that's a bad example. That's a little extreme, but not in, in essence, what I'm telling you is a small dog. Yeah. Okay. That hunts in packs. That's wildly successful in a continent that may or may not exist. Mm-hmm. Australia may or may not. Ex- you know anybody that's been to exactly, Australia? Yeah. That's another episode too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think Papua New Guinea could be a place that could house mm-hmm. something we've never seen. Yes. That we didn't know existed yes. even before like prehistoric stuff. Yeah. I think that's one of those, if not the only. And I think there's parts of the Amazon that are like that too. Mm-hmm. But I think Amazon is more of like lost tribes and people that are extinct or yes. things that we didn't know. Yeah. Not necessarily crazy, like, creatures. Like, yeah, well, there's probably crazy things that we haven't discovered. There are animals yes. down there, but, like, snakes, right? Not well, not bipedal I Well, cryptoids. I think that's where I differ on you. So okay. there's there's a few places where I think that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to ca- can exist. Yeah. So Papua New Guinea or Indonesia. Indonesia is – that chain of islands is huge. I mean, yeah. like, and that's kind of – I would lump that together. Okay. Russia – because Russia's freaking huge. Because of Russia. That's yeah. all you got to say. There's thing, because yeah, Russia. Because, yeah, Moscow, Moscow. Um, and nice then, hat, by the way. Thank you. That's a Red um, Army special. Yeah. The Amazon. Yeah, definitely. So the Amazon jungle, you can fit the entirety of India in. Yeah, huge. That's a big place. Huge. And then the other one, I, I think the Everglades could possibly house something weird, but it's kind of a far fetch. The the other one though would be like North America, like Canada, like all Alaska. Yeah, like and the all Rocky Mountains. Stuff. Let's yes. say the Yukon. Yeah. Yep. So you, have you seen like the the upper parts of Canada into like the the Northwest Territories, the Yukon, British mm-hmm. Columbia, like way up yep. in there before you get to Alaska? Yep. Nothing. There's nothing up there. Nothing yep. but mountains yep. and wilderness and gold. Yep. That's about all that's up For there. Sure. And people getting beheaded on rivers and whatnot. That's a, that's a good one. That's too. a good yeah. story. Yeah. Let's go back to the Amazon real quick though. So there, like you said, there's uncontacted tribes there yeah. are things there and that's like 100 percent known like there's still people out there that we've never even talked to right that, that think they're the never, only thing that exists exactly they don't know any life beyond the trees that are surrounding yeah. them. yeah so a lot of these things live in basins in these essentially a giant bowl in the right. rainforest that is untouched right there's a theory that these uncontacted tribes hear me out they keep ground giant ground sloths safe that is what they were there for that is very similar to like a bigfoot like in that size so there could be things like that there that we don't know about so that was i watched like one of forrest galante's like Mm -hmm. specials where he was looking for giant sloths he he believes they exist yeah because of the i mean the landscape itself but like where he falls on that he's like that's where i 
Like, I don't go past. He doesn't go mm-hmm. past that. I don't know where I'm at on this because I think if it was in, if it existed in North America, mm-hmm. we would have seen it by now. Well, we I know there's big. I know there's big areas, but yeah. there's there's almost 400 million people that live in just the United States alone. North into like the Northwest Territories. Is there something crazy up there? Like, I think there's there's crazy things in each sect of the animal kingdom. There's crazy big mm-hmm. fish. There's crazy big mammals. Yeah. Look at an elk. Yeah. Elks an elk is. At 1,200 pounds, a moose, mm-hmm. bears, giant. I believe there's giants that fit into that class, but like a humanoid, in- more intelligent, stinky, makes crazy noises. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean. Wouldn't we have seen it by now? Well, we have. So think about this. Okay. So this is so we've already talked about the Amazon and that the landscape yeah, the itself. Amazonians. The Amazonians. Nice folk. It, it is. It's big enough to where it could hide something like this. Oh, I mean, like literally, like uh, Graham Hancock. You know who Graham Hancock oh, definitely. is? Definitely. Let's talked about the ruins that they find with the yeah. lidar. Giant cities that have been untouched for thousands of years that they just accidentally stumble upon. And it's not like they were far away from where they were originally. Right. They walk down a, you know, a, a path, and then they come upon a giant city. Right. So if that can hide there, why couldn't something 10 or 12 feet tall hide there as well? I, and that's kind of where my theory comes. Yeah, I get what you're saying definitely in that world. But at some point, you would have to think that, again, maybe I'm totally off my rocker thinking that something like that could hide down there. It's had to have seen a person before. Of course. If a person's not seen it, maybe hunted it. Yeah. Maybe it's smart enough to realize that it's somehow related well, to us. I mean. That it would have made some kind of news. Like, that's like true. my child was eaten by a Bigfoot type of a thing. Well, that's where I think we get to the next segment of North America. So we are all very familiar with the video. And I think now you were talking about the Colorado video of the Sasquatch walking. Yeah, the you know, blurry guy. The, the blurry guy. Yeah. Okay, and that brings another part of it, too. So yeah. that video was filmed in the 60s yeah. um, along a creek bed. And yeah. the interesting thing about that is the way that it walked is no human being yeah. could make that stride, meaning that a person in a suit could physically not be able to walk like that. And they also just recently kind of, like, fixed the video and made it not blurry the Bigfoot has boobs. <laughs> so it was a female. How did somebody back then What if know? it was a dude with boobs? Maybe it was. But how did somebody back then know, like, like I'm going to make this Bigfoot... Do you remember in Beavis and Butthead where yeah. they, they, like, they're turning the page in the health book? Yeah. And it's like the picture of the lungs and Beavis, like, that yeah. dude's got boobs. Yeah, this dude's got <laughs> Maybe boobs. Maybe that dude's got boobs. But, hey, it's possible. But why would somebody create a Bigfoot suit with boobs? <laughs> like, that's really, For like... The, I mean, because if there's a guy that has no, enough that doesn't have enough to do that he's going to create yeah. a Bigfoot suit, why wouldn't he throw a set of boots That is true. That is true. The next thing, though, and I know you you know about this, too, is there's a – around the same time, it was like the 70s in the same area. It was like the northern part of – I think it was Colorado or Canada. I can't remember exactly. But it was these uh, hikers that were going through the mountains. It was a group of them, and they found this, like, super remote area where they were going to climb this mountain, and they filmed the Bigfoot talking. The samurai, the you remember that? No. Okay, so like they filmed Sasquatches. I'm sorry, say this again. Like they filmed Sasquatches. What, what, no, like what? What era was this? This was in the 60s and 70s as well. And this group of guys were climbing mountains. And Did they also have boobs? They might have had boobs, yeah. But they filmed these Sasquatch talking to each other across the mountain, 
and it was like some weird like oh samurai. one was on one mountain and one was on another yeah they could hear them talking like you know like to maybe, each other maybe big for japanese the the frequency that they were speaking oh yeah it can't be is, replicated or cannot whatever. be replicated yeah i don't know that's kind of weird that stuff's all bs yeah but they sound like samurais they're like wait 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 well so there's only okay of all of the pictures and all, like it's like mitch hedberg said Maybe the reason that all the pictures of Bigfoot are blurry is because maybe Bigfoot really is blurry. Well, and, and there's I a blurred that, monster. That's scarier. And I think. think that brings the next thing is if Bigfoot is real, is it a interdimensional traveling being uh, that is blurry? No. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. No, I'm not. But I, I kind of am at the same time. Okay. This is the only one that actually peaks some kind of like, I kind of believe this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. I'm not saying that there's not a possibility that something like that could exist. Like I'm not, I'm not a, a full-fledged denier, if you would. But I'm definitely not a full-fledged believer. However, there's a very interesting situation that happened. This happened in Canada, and to me, it's what actually happened to the person that creates that belief, not the actual creature, but what the creature represents. If that makes sense, let me get into it. The guy's name is Andrew. I forgot his last name. No. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but I'll tell you the whole story. I'm not going to spoil what happens right now. I'll tell you the story. So this dude is driving through, and again, I think it's British Columbia. Could be. Yeah. Untouched land, man. Right. So beautiful, though. And he's driving down a road, and there's mountains in the background, and you can see this giant figure on Mm. one of these mountains. And again, he's like, he's not like 30 miles away from this he's a couple of miles so you could still see something like if there's a building up there you could see it like just Mm -hmm. for reference point like it's not like this thing is just you can't see it with the naked eye and he saw it through binoculars but like you could see that this thing was moving Mm -hmm. across these mountains yeah then it it disappeared this guy called out he knew exactly which mountain it was yeah he decided he wanted to go up there and find out what it was so oh sick thank you oh man wait a second oh you're a nice man that's good stuff right there. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Thank mm-hmm. you. Come mm-hmm. again. So, dude drives up basically this this old mountain road, like a logging road or something. And again, it's public public property. It's a state park, national park, whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's public area. And again, there's there's idiosyncrasies in the story that make it seem like maybe it's just acting and yeah. maybe this was proposed. This guy was like a a well-known viral TikToker, millions mm. of followers, millions of views on his videos, mm. things like that. And this really blew him up out of the, out of the scope, at least on TikTok. This was a few years ago. So he's driving down this road and basically he's like, oh, he's, he's like live streaming it as he's doing it. And he's like, Hey, there's this, you know, there's this black charger up here. There's a dude in a suit and there's like the roads closed yeah. and you can hear the guy come up to the window and he's like, you got to get out of here. Like this is a closed area. And he's like, this is a public road. And he's like, no, this is closed. You need to get out of here right now. Hmm. So he's like, he doesn't fight with the guy, whatever. Yeah. Tries to end up going back. Anyway, long story short, the guy basically becomes consumed with finding out what was going on on top of this mountain. Mm-hmm. But there's also that same time frame that that he sees what's going on there's helicopters flying back and forth on this mountain and again hmm. you can't cgi all of that stuff yeah. like you can tell when it's fake you can tell when it's yeah. real like they're lifting stuff with ropes and and um helicopters off of this mountain same area that mm-hmm. that they 
that he saw this thing. But again, it's not like this construction project where they're like, we're going to build yeah. a house up here and we're just going to fly the lumber in. Yeah. Like, they were carting stuff away. It was closed down like by government, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, this dude goes down this whole rabbit hole of trying to find out what's really going on there. And he keeps trying to go back. He runs into the same issues each time, basically, that – and again, it, it becomes way more tense than I'm making it sound as he goes, where he starts to fear what's going to start happening to him. Mm-hmm. So – but again, remember, he's getting millions of views on each one. He's live streaming this stuff on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So all of it's getting millions and millions of views as he's doing it. Guy goes radio silent for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Nothing gets posted, hmm. whatever. And again, this is this guy's job. He gets paid by to, to do TikTok and this stuff. And he goes radio silent for like two weeks. Comes out with this video. It's just him sitting in a chair. Are you familiar with this, by the yes, way? Have you heard I, this story? I, I know, yeah, I think we've talked about this a few Just times. a white background. Yeah. And he basically says he apologizes for posting it all. Yeah. And says that it's all fake. One thing that so I watched this like reaction video to this video, and this guy was like, one thing that like freaks me out is you can see his eyes. He keeps going. So if the camera's right in front of him and he's looking at the camera, he's just like, like I'm looking at you. He keeps looking up like up into the left, mm-hmm. like he's looking at someone or something, mm-hmm. but not like he's reading something. More like he's looking at somebody's like either approval or disapproval of whatever he's saying. So he makes this video. Dude dies. Bigfoot killed him. There's like a legit obituary. Yeah. Like this guy died. So nobody knows how. Nobody knows why. Hmm. All we know is he's dead. Hmm. That's the only thing where I would be like, is the guy lying? Did the guy stumble across something he shouldn't have? But like at the same time, it tells me like he wasn't the only guy that like maybe drove up that road to try and find out what was going on. But maybe because he had such a big audience because of what he did. I don't know. Hmm. All to say, if there is a Bigfoot, yeah. if there is a creature that's like this, some kind of giant cryptid, yeah. the government knows about it. Of course. Yeah. And maybe they shot it. Because, I mean, look, and have you've heard the story of the ranger team that got, like, decimated by one of those red giants in Afghanistan. Yeah. And, like, the, the middle Nephilim. of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, the Nephilim. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. They're, in the, they're in the Bible. They are. Yeah. And, like, they got killed. Bigfoot's in the Bible. Is he? Nephilim. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's got big feet. Yeah, he's got big feet. But the Nephilim is like, aren't they like red-haired? They are, yeah. They're red-haired, yeah. So, uh uh-oh. No, Bigfoot's real. Um, He's definitely real. Um, And he can live in only a few places. So I think we've come to that conclusion. Well, okay. So I guess the only other thing, I said the only thing that would make me skeptical about it, meaning belief. There's one other thing. All these ancient peoples. Yeah. That like draw stuff in caves and on trees and like leave leave stuff around. They yeah. all have some kind of giants that they yeah. were running from, fighting. Well, I mean, there was the Native Americans in yeah. uh, out west that they had the same thing. They had stories of them fighting giants. Oh yeah, and then they found that one crypt. Remember, and I think it was it was, it Arizona. was in a mine. It was like New Mexico, yeah, or New Arizona, Mexico. Or something. Yeah, I remember that. And, and they the guys like this nine and a half feet tall. Yeah, they yeah. found bones of giant human beings not just bones like full like mummified yeah, bodies full mummified and bodies, it was yeah. a full family yep it was yeah. kids it was yeah. it was a, a male and a female yeah. and yeah i remember they have them in the tombs there's that mm-hmm. that crazy picture of that dude like laying next to one yeah. with his hands like this yeah. so giant so that's a whole nother crazy story but um, i mean hey look if that that's real bigfoot's real i mean but that was supposedly like a whole tribe mm-hmm. that they were that they were cannibals mm-hmm. and they were banished basically from mm-hmm. 
from um, some Indian tribe. And again, I don't know which tribe it was. Yeah. But basically that this other tribe warred with these people. And that even, that, you know, at one point they were all together. They all were living together in harmony. And then they started like eating. The giants started like eating people. Frick. Like, I don't know if it was eating. I think it started out like kind of benign. If you can talk about cannibalism being benign, it was like they would eat their dead and things mm. like that. And then the other Indians were like, hey, man. We don't do yeah, that. Yeah, we don't want to do yeah, this. We, yeah. yeah, no, we, yeah. we're out on this. Yeah. Like, and you guys better be out on yeah. it too. And then eventually and then it like, boils over. You. <laughs> it boils over. Yeah. And then they basically kick them out and they start warring back and hmm. forth with each other. But Dang. Oh. That would suck to fight a giant. That would suck to fight Bigfoot. And Bigfoot's probably really strong. He's probably yeah. fast too. So Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Anything else? No, I think we've come to the conclusion that Bigfoot is real. Yeah, um, definitely. So 100%. I think yeah. that we're good here. So, yeah. Yeah. Think we'll do one more episode before Christmas? Of course, yeah. Okay. Well, because we have something special. Oh yeah, we to do show everybody. Special, yeah. But yeah, we'll definitely do and it. It ain't that special, but it's pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Be a good dad. Okay. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. By the way, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications, and give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing. Leave comments. Everything helps us. Uh, if you enjoy this type of entertainment, because uh, we do. Thank you very much.